This is Running the Race with Pastor Eddie Pinero of Calvary Chapel of Milford in Milford, Pennsylvania. shouldn't be the ones complaining. <laughs> Christians shouldn't be the one complaining. It doesn't go together. It'd be grateful for what you have. And if things don't turn out your way, it's God's will. Or maybe God is not done yet. All things work together for good for those who love Jesus. So we shouldn't complain. We should be grateful for everything. Why? Because we have everything we need in Christ Jesus. Have you ever complained to the Lord that He wasn't supplying you with your idea of what you need? Today, Pastor Eddie talks about how Christians shouldn't be complaining about what the Lord provides. God will always give us what is truly needed. We may complain about the battles He gives us because we feel unequipped for His test. God will not give you a struggle you cannot overcome, because if you trust Him, He will always provide. Well, let's join Pastor Eddie in the book of 1 Timothy chapter 2. As he continues his message, pray for all people. Now the next term describes communication with God as prayers. Notice it's in plural form. It's not prayer, but prayers in plural form. It's referring to communication with God, but without supplication. Paul already mentioned supplication. He doesn't need to include it here. It is separate from supplication, intercession, and giving of thanks, which we'll see in a minute. We know this because the word prayers here in the Greek is prosyo. Kai, Kai, that's what it is. It mentioned 37 times in the New Testament, and it means to pray earnestly. Now drop down to verse 8. Look at verse 8. Paul writes, I desire therefore that men pray everywhere. The word pray here in verse 8 is proshokehamea, whatever it is. You, you figure it out. It's mentioned 87 times in the New Testament, and it means to offer prayers, to make prayers. There is a difference between intercession, praying for the needs of others and for yours, and then there's prayers, plural. It speaks of a time of devotion with the Lord. It speaks of a time of worship. It's a worshipful type of prayer. When we come to the Lord without needs and we worship God in prayer, whether on our knees or sitting down, we just, you know, Turn off the phone, throw it out the window, whatever it is. You know, it makes you want to throw it out the window, right? But anyway, you turn off everything and you just close. I don't want to come to the Lord with, Lord, I need this. I want this because he knows that. And I prayed already. I'll pray again later on. But this, this one time, I want to dedicate a time that I could worship God and tell him how much I love him and praise and worship for who he is. Try that for an hour. Saints, when was the last time we went to Lord in prayer just to worship him? Just to worship him. Yes, we pray. Probably pray in the morning and the night. Pray for our food. But is there a time that you ever prayed and set it aside when you can worship God? Say, Lord, 
I'm just coming before you. I don't have a list. I do, but it's not this time. I want to come before you and worship you because of what you've done in my life and the promises you have made for me. And I love you because you alone are God. And worship him and, and, and admire him in adoration. We need more prayers of worship. We need more prayers of worship in our lives. The next term Paul uses here to communicate with God is intercession. The word intercession is only mentioned two times, just two times in the New Testament. And it speaks of making requests on behalf of others. Making requests on behalf of others. You know, I wonder how many times that we tell another or someone, say, you know, I'll pray for you, and really don't pray. How many times we say, oh, I'm going to pray for you, I'm going to keep you in my prayer, but really don't pray about that person. I've learned to make it a habit, to pray for the person on the spot, to pray for the person before I call them, or to pray for the person as soon as I hang up with them, or pray with them while I'm on the phone. Now, I'm not perfect on this, by the way. But I know it is, I've come a long way because the last thing I, know, I, want, I want people to know that when I say I'm praying for you, I'm going to keep my word. I'm going to intercede on your behalf. I'm going to be praying for you and I'm going to ask, hey, if I pray for you, please pray for me. Pray for me. You know, before we make requests for other needs, for our needs, we need to make the requests for the needs of others and find time in our prayer to go before God on behalf of others. We know there are a lot of people hurting. You know, if, if you were just to think of one person in your mind right now, you know there's a person hurting. That's the person you ought to be interceding for. You know, the problem is that we think that things happen just because it happened. Oh, it just ended up good on your behalf. You're just, you know, we don't believe in luck. Oh, you're just lucky. No, it's because we prayed. I know some people that were healed, and they get healed, and they say, oh, I was healed because I took this, I did this. No, you were healed because we prayed for you. You were healed because we prayed for you. Yes, the Lord may use those things, but I never give, you know, doctors, I'm thankful for doctors, I'm thankful for medication, but I never give them the glory if, 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 if I get healed. God gets the glory. God gets the glory. The final term Paul uses here. Communicating with God is giving thanks. Giving thanks is an essential part of our relationship with Christ. Giving thanks to God. And it also could be a part of worship. As we worship God, we give thanks to the Lord. It says those that lack a basic sense of gratitude in their lives lack a basic Christian virtue. We need to be grateful people. You know, if we use the scriptures as a guide as to knowing how often people do give thanks to the Lord, uh, using Luke chapter 17, when Jesus healed that 10 men that had leprosy. If we use that as a guide, 9 out of 10 people would not give thanks to the Lord, but just one. After Jesus healed these 10 men with leprosy, an uncurable disease in those days, only one came to Jesus with a loud voice, glorifying God, fell on his face at the feet of Christ and gave him thanks. Then Jesus says, were there not nine others? Were there not ten that I healed and where are the other nine? I think it's in scripture to let us know, hey, people are forgetful in giving thanks to the Lord. You know, in a little over a uh, 
little over a week, we're going to celebrate Thanksgiving. You're going to celebrate Thanksgiving. The day originated, it was celebrated by the pilgrims back in 1621. You know your history. They were thankful. They had a very rough journey leaving, leaving a, 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 a land in which they couldn't freely worship God. And though many of them died, they were grateful. They got to provide your provisions, and they met the Indians, and they were able to eat. They thank God. They remember and said, we're going to thank God because now we're growing, we're healthy, we're flourishing. And they thanked the Lord. Later on, President Abraham Lincoln officially set aside the last Thursday of November in 1863 as a day of thanksgiving. He said, as a day of thanksgiving and praise to our beneficent God. In 1941, Congress uh, later made it a, an official illegal holiday to observe the last Thursday of November as Thanksgiving. You know, this is the true meaning and the reason why we celebrate Thanksgiving. You know, prayerfully, the woke cancer culture won't take it off our calendar once they find out this is a Christian holiday. Thanksgiving is a Christian holiday. Why? Because Christian people are thankful people. We should be thankful people. When we look at this holiday, it all started from Christians, the pilgrims. To be thankful. We should be thankful all the time, every minute, every day, because we have Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, and he has saved us and have given us eternal life. And because he supplies all our needs according to his riches in glory. So the church should be one that sets the example of the world we need to show the world what it's like to be thankful and grateful. That should come from the church, which it truly did, but it's only one day. But we're thankful every day. We're thankful every day. We shouldn't be the ones complaining. <laughs> Christians shouldn't be the one complaining. It doesn't go together. You'd be grateful for what you have. And if things don't turn out your way, it's God's will. Or maybe God is not done yet. All things work together for good for those who love Jesus. So we shouldn't complain. We should be grateful for everything. Why? Because we have everything we need in Christ Jesus. Now, one of the most asked questions of Christians is, what is the will of God for my life? What is the will of God for my life? I want to know the will of God for my life. The answer is, be ye thankful. Be ye thankful. There's a scripture that tells us this. In 1 Thessalonians, we study this. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18. Paul writes, in everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. I want to read it again so we can remember to be thankful. The will of God for your life is this. It says, in everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Being thankful is the will of God. It's not only one day. Remember it that day. If you're around family or friends, who don't know Jesus, this is the perfect time to share the gospel and show that you're grateful and thankful in everything. Not for everything. There's a difference. You're not going to be grateful because you've been robbed. Oh, I'm so thankful I've been robbed. I'm so thankful they towed my car. Oh, thank you, Jesus. No, it's to be thankful in that situation. Be thankful that you're robbed, but you still have your life. Be thankful that prayer told your car. You have, probably have no more payments. I'm not just kidding. <laughs> but be thankful. 
in everything. Be thankful in everything. So whether you have or have not in everything, give thanks, be thankful. And that brings you, when you're a thankful person, that brings you into the will of God in your life. It brings you into the will. Let's go back to verse 1. We're really moving, aren't we? Therefore, I exalt, first of all, that supplication, prayers, intercession, and giving thanks be made for some men. No, all men, all men, every man, woman, boy, or girl, every human being. The word of God is very clear that there isn't a single human being on the planet that is excluded from your prayers. Not a single person. No person exists on this planet in whom God does not have a personal interest for. And if God has an interest in every single person, every single soul, therefore we are to pray for everybody, everyone. We pray for the saved, we pray for the unsaved. We pray for people we know, we pray for people we don't know. We pray for all people. And just in case you forget about this, we also need to pray for your enemies. Yes, Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 5 verse 44. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. That's an enemy. And we're to pray. Pray for enemies. Now, for some of you, your prayer list has just increased tenfold. When you add your enemies... You know, I pray for people that I know and I love. My enemies, not, you know. <laughs> no, we pray for all people. Verse 2, we're moving on. Just in case we, you know, the reader of this letter, just in case Timothy or anyone, Pastor Timothy and those in the church of Ephesus or those in Calvary Chapel of Milford want to exclude certain people, just in case, Paul says, pray for, verse 2, for kings. For kings, Pray for kings. It's speaking about elected officials, the president, governors, mayors, and congressmen, congresswomen. Regardless of what party you belong to. Oh, today you're really going to pray, right? You're going to learn how to pray. You got to pray for enemies and people from different parties. I mean, a nation's been divided. <laughs> it's been divided politically. I mean, really, really bad. It's sad that Christians are going along with it. Whether you agree with them or not, we are called to pray for kings. Pray for President Biden. Pray for him. Pray for every elected official. Now you may say, well, <laughs> Paul don't know what kind of president we have. <laughs> or we had. Uh, Paul had it worse. By the way, when Paul wrote this letter, Nero, the Roman emperor, was in charge. He was the king at that time. Nero was the most evil and wicked emperor in the history of Rome, especially with Christians. He hated Christians, and he wanted them all dead. Even burnt half of a city in Rome and blamed it on Christians. But that's not all. What he did with Christians, he would crucify them, nail them to a pole or a cross, have them placed in his garden, and lit them up and burn them alive just to light up his garden. So let me tell you, what we're going through right now is nothing. We need to stop. We need to look at the reality. But here Paul say, pray for Nero. He didn't say, oh, that emperor. <laughs> you know, he said, let's pray for him. 
Pray for him. Lighting up Christians, and I believe the, the, he would ride naked on his chariot, going through the corridor where there's lit Christians burning alive. He says, let your light so shine, mocking Christians. That's the history. Paul wrote that. He said, pray for this man. The word of God tells us to pray for our president. The idea is that they would get saved. You know, if you read and watch the news, you, you, you realize that some of these elected officials are passing laws and laws and things that, that it, as if it makes sense. doesn't make sense. Now I had the, the opportunity to catch up with some great pastors and their wives, and uh, we met up with this pastor and his wife and out of Temecula, California, and he's telling us the laws that they are passing and I just, I just, you know, because I heard this law, I said, hey, is that true? You guys can't use gas mowers? You can't, you say, yeah, in five years. It's already into law. Five years. We won't be able to use gas lawnmowers, gas leaf blowers. I don't know. They don't have the oil like we do, but chainsaws. That's going to hurt the economy. Everything battery operated. How do you charge batteries? I don't know. It makes sense to them. But here's the worst of the all. He said within a year from now, a 12-year-old child who wants a sex change can go to the teacher. The teacher can take that child to have a sex change without the parent's consent. Yes. In one year. In one year. Does homeschool sound good right about now? Oh, yeah, you bet. You bet. You can't send a child to the school nurse to get an aspirin for a headache, but you can take a child to have a sex change at the age of 12. Like if they know what it's all about before they're teenagers, and in some states even get abortion. Satan is after the family. And this is why we need to pray for our leaders. If the Lord calls you into politics, praise the Lord. God bless you. We need to pray for you even more. The reality is we're not called to fight them. We're called to, when, what, what can we do? Press that switch, vote. Vote. We need to pray for our politicians and presidents, elected officials. I would say more than your in-laws. Not just kidding. <laughs> pray, for, pray for your in-laws. We need to pray for everyone. We need, really need to pray that they would fear God and get saved. And if they're elected officials who are saved, pray for them even more, especially the Christians. No matter what they do or say, they're going to be attacked, especially for their faith. So he says, pray for kings and, verse 2, all who are in authority, speaking of law enforcement, police officers, every rank from every agency, judges, you know, Paul writes in Romans chapter 13, verse 1, that every soul be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Disrespect the police officer is disrespecting God and his word. Now, I know there's no perfect person. You know, it's sad that, and I could tell you, and I'm not just being biased because I was a police officer, but I've seen enough I personally witness the hatred towards police officers because maybe one bad cop. 
you look at what happened recently with George Floyd and the police. You got one bad cop. I'm going to be straightforward. One bad cop and one bad man. And not all cops are bad. When someone breaks into your house, if you don't have a gun, what are you going to do? They're all not bad. But we have some, uh, you know, the last, not the last administration, administration before, did nothing. It's because people in general don't like to submit to authority. It's a heart issue. It's not because someone else was a victim. You probably have never had a bad experience, but now you're going with the flow because that's the spirit of the world, a spirit of disobedience, a spirit that goes against authority, and you've fallen into it. Titus chapter 3, verse 1 to 2, it says, Remind them to be subject to rulers and authorities, to obey, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to be peaceable, gentle, showing all humility to all men. That is what Christians are to do. However, if they go against the word of God, the authorities tell you, you can't preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, you can't have church, then and only then will I would not obey. Neither should you. We are being challenged. This administration is not for Christians, by the way. And we have others that were in office that are not for Christians. They hate Christians. They won't say it publicly. But when they tell you to go against the great commission that Jesus has given us, to go into all the nation, make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, they tell you to go against that, to go against the assembly. It's sad that their people still have not returned to church. They're more afraid of COVID than they are of God. You can't have fellowship through Zoom. You can't pray for people and lay hands on people through Zoom. And you can't have that intimate relationship with the body of Christ. Do not forsake the gathering of the saints. Jesus, when he doing his earthly ministry, he always went to the temple. And now we're being challenged. Yeah, we use wisdom. When it first all started, we use wisdom because we care for the safety of every single one of you. You're a family. We love you. We knew that there was a pandemic. It was a pandemic in that time. We used wisdom and said, you know what? Yeah, okay. You know, they're, they're right. Governors are right this time. But they continued on. You can't have church, but you go to Walmart. You can't have church, but you could be in an airplane sitting next to someone exactly, even with a mask. You, you tell me, it was a direct attack against the church. You know, this is what Peter and John said when the council tell them, don't preach this name of Jesus. The book of 1 Timothy is encouraging and inspiring. From one well-seasoned missionary to another, the Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy, spurring a younger pastor on to great things. Isn't it great to live life in community with others so that you can mutually encourage others you're walking alongside? Even though Paul and Timothy weren't in the same area very often, these letters kept them united in the cause of Christ. We hope that you have this type of uniting with other believers. If you don't, we'd like you to know how to connect with us here. Go to our website at runningtheraceradio.com to learn more about the church that supports this ministry. At Calvary Chapel of Milford, we'd love to meet you this weekend and join with you in being part of a church family. 
Worshiping God and studying His Word together is something that should be done in community. To find out more, once again, our website is runningtheraceradio.com. We pray that Pastor Eddie's message on running the race has been helpful for you today. We'd like you to know that we pray for you regularly here at Running the Race, and we're so glad you're one of our listeners. If you'd like to hear this message again, you can find it at runningtheraceradio.com. While you're there, feel free to listen to other messages from this series or download them to take with you on the go. Again, that website is runningtheraceradio.com. That's all we have for today. But join us again for more as Pastor Eddie teaches from 1 Timothy on running the race.